We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, February 20th, and we have a lot to talk about today, Ryan. Like, you and I came into the day thinking, like, there's one thing we were going to talk about, and, of course, a bunch of news breaks. We're going to talk about all of it today. We're going to kick the show off talking about Matty Augustine's commitment to Notre Dame. That's why that dude is here with me today. We're going to break that down. Then we're going to talk. Uh, Notre Dame has finalized its coaching staff for 2024, at least the the 10 main assistants. And obviously, I think there's going to be some changes from a j- graduate assistant standpoint. You know, Coach Ash and Derrico got a job this offseason, so there's going to be some changes there. But the 10 full-time assistants, it's set. We'll dive into that, what it means. Ryan's going to stick around for that because there's some recruiting implications to this as well with the changes that are being made. Then I'm going to stick around after that, and Ryan's got to get back to work because he's got a bunch of recruits to call and a lot of work to do, and and it's that busy time of the year. February's not supposed to be busy, but as Ryan will tell you, it is very busy from a recruiting standpoint, and so he'll run off and do that, and I'm going to break down the safety position. I'm going to continue our offseason overview of the Notre Dame safety position, which is very interesting, and will be impacted by some of the decisions that we'll talk about today from a coaching standpoint. And then part four, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on they have finalized the new format for the college football playoff. 
and what that means for Notre Dame. And if you guys get some questions in here before we get started, and of course, any super chats, I will try to answer as many of those as I can when we get to the end of the show. So, Mr. Roberts, how are you today, man? Doing well, doing well. And yourself? I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. You know how it is. I'm running around like a crazy person. And uh, I got to tell you, man, you you start to understand and appreciate how blessed we are to work from home when you don't have the ability to work from home for a while. So (laughs) it's... It is uh, it is good, man, but lots going on. Very excited about it. We're going to kick things off, Ryan, with the recruiting news today. Not not surprising recruiting news. Yeah. We have we have been basically anticipating this news from the, what, June 3rd last summer when he was offered by Notre Dame. We kind of expected it, but Notre Dame picked up a commitment today from offensive tackle Matty Augustine, who's now a member of the 2025 class, was originally a member of the 2024 class, which we'll talk a little bit about. Member of the 2025 class, from Brunswick School in Greenwich, Greenwich or Greenwich, Greenwich. Connecticut. I, I, Greenwich, I, I, Connecticut. I was corrected, and it's Greenwich apparently. So yeah, Greenwich. Okay, yeah. Greenwich, Connecticut, <laughs> and uh, Brunswick School. If that sounds familiar to any of you, it's because that's where Ethan Long also goes to high school, and and he's obviously Notre Dame commit, which we'll talk a little bit about. But he announced his commitment today to Notre Dame, did Matty Augustine Ryan. So we'll, we're going to talk about it. We're going to do a little backstory, talk about the class impact. You and I are going to watch a little film, and then we're going to talk about what's next because that's a bit of an interesting conversation as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's kick things off. Kicks kick things off, Ryan. Obviously, Notre Dame landed a commitment from Maddie Augustine, who's listed at six seven two ninety. That's an interesting discussion Ryan and I were having earlier today, but we'll get into the frame and different aspects of it. Uh, he is a consensus three star recruit, Ryan. I think you and I both really like the upside of this young man. You're recruiting him for what yep. he's going to be, not what he is today. But this was an interesting one, Ryan, because Matty Augustine was a kid you and I hadn't really didn't know a whole lot about in June when he showed up for the Notre Dame camp. But boy, 
did we have to learn a lot about him fast. So let's just kind of go dive into, Ryan, just share some of the backstory of kind of how Matty Augustine came to be a Notre Dame target and just how the recruitment has gone, you know, since he got that offer back on June 3rd. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a busy camp, obviously, in, in June because Will Black was also at that that camp that he they were both offered the same exact day when working with the Notre Dame staff and they were able to see them in person. Matty Augustine at that point was more in the 265-ish pound range when he first showed up to Notre Dame and was kind of still growing into his body a little bit more. He's a for people that don't know, he was actually a, a basketball player and it was he still plays basketball, but he, he was kind of more focused on the basketball side of things. And then his coach, Wayne McGillicuddy, kind of saw him one day you know, after his sophomore year and was like, hey, dude, like, come play football with me. Just, just give it a shot. You know, just give it a shot. And eventually he obviously made Maddie come out and play football. And this was his second year this past year as his junior year. Well, technically his second junior year, but his junior year of playing with coach McGillicuddy. And he has been a a riser on the recruiting circuit in, in the, in the, in the part that matters the most, because you're going to see the three-star rankings across the board ranked as like number 29 offensive by two different platforms. But what's more important, Brian, and, and what will, I'm sure it will be more important to everyone out there. Well, is that some heavy hitters are coming out of come uh, start coming at Maddie. I mean, they, they started this, you know, even before he had visited Notre Dame, he had a couple early offers from Wisconsin, Penn state, but then as soon as Notre Dame offered, it started coming quick. I mean, then, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Alabama, and some of the big-time programs that had offered him really started coming into the fold. So that he was a big before 2023 season riser, and obviously that that interest from the high-level programs has continued in, into what was a very successful and a, think a big step forward as a junior this past year. Just to back up what you were saying, Ryan, here's here's a list of some of the top offers that Maddie Augustine has received. He has an offer from Alabama, also visited Alabama. He has an offer from Florida. He has an offer from Miami, Florida. He has an offer from Michigan, a place he visited multiple times, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio State, a school he visited three times, Penn State, a school that he's visited, Stanford, Tennessee, Texas A&M, UCLA, and Wisconsin. Now, the interesting thing, Ryan, and are you able to kind of share how the, the top five change a little bit here at the end? Are we able to talk about that little backstory uh, yeah, part of I it as so. well? I, UCLA yeah. was one of the schools that was um, amongst the top five, but obviously that was yeah. right when the changes happened at, at, when Chip Kelly left. And so that changed his top five and UCLA got yeah. dropped. And I think was it Ohio State or Wisconsin that got uh, added? Ohio State. Ohio State, State got the added for him. Yep. Right. So, you know, but but when you look at that offer list, Ryan, I mean, again, you're talking about heavy hitters. You're, you know, I mean, just Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Bama, you know, North Carolina, uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Wisconsin. So to your point, though, those offers don't match the recruiting ranking, although I wouldn't necessarily like a lot of times we have no problem criticizing recruiting rankings at Irish Breakdown. None. We're going to give our opinion. This isn't one that I necessarily say, oh, you guys are nuts for where he's ranked now. But he is the epitome of why we have the upside grade at Irish Breakdown. Because that's a lot about it is because schools are looking at him and they're saying exactly what you're saying. A kid that hasn't played football for very long with lots of tools, and that's why you're seeing all these people go after him, Ryan. But through all the offers, the visits, like I said, he's been to Bama, he's been to Ohio State, he's been to Michigan, he's been all over the country, a lot like Owen Strebick. There was never really much doubt yep. about where 
this recruitment was going to end, however. Well, I, I think that any doubt that there was ended, especially when Ethan Long committed to Notre Dame in January, because for people that don't know, like, yes, they're teammates at Brunswick School, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Like they are, I, I think we throw out like, oh, they're they're really good friends. They're best friends too often. Like literally though, they are very, very good friends. <laughs> like they're, they are best friends. And I think when Ethan ended up committing to Notre Dame, it was only a matter of time before the process ended for Maddie because Maddie has not only a great relationship with Ethan, he's had a good relationship with Joe Rudolph throughout the recruiting process. He has a great relationship with Owen Strebig. He has a great relationship with Will Black. Th those guys have been pushing for him heavy. I mean, this has been a group effort. Like, you know, Joe Rudolph obviously gets the ultimate, you know, notch on the belt for landing a Matty Augustine and being able to be that guy. But you have to give a slight assist to Ethan Long. You have to give a slight assist to Owen Strebig, to Will Black. Like, all these dudes were putting in work down the stretch to be able to solidify Maddie Augustine. So it was one of those things where I think you mentioned a parallel to Owen Strebig. I, I would say so because he was a kid that Maddie wasn't in a necessarily in a rush to make a decision, you know, right. like he wanted to see every place. Like he's been down to Florida. He's been out West a little bit. He's been obviously to all the, the Midwest powers and some of the big schools that were going after him. So he did his due diligence. He made his visits. And I think on junior day, especially a few weekends ago, that was kind of the final step, man. Like, right. you know, back on campus with his best friend, his teammate that is also committed to the University of Notre Dame and Ethan Long. I think that – and also you had Owen Strebig on campus. I know Will Black obviously wasn't able to make it because of the weather issues, but you, I think that kind of that connection has really solidified things. I mean, when Owen committed a couple weekends ago, literally when I interviewed him before he made the announcement public, he made it very well known, like, we're coming after Maddie, man. Like that's next step. Yeah. Like we're coming after Maddie Augustine. So this was in the plans, and this was something that obviously Notre Dame wanted to make happen. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because when you look at Notre Dame's three pickups, the the kid that committed first is the one that for most of his recruitment we didn't think Notre Dame led for, and that's Will well, Black. Sorry, you know, it, it yeah. was interesting. Like we knew he liked Notre Dame. There was a time we weren't sure where Notre Dame stood with him, where he stood with Notre Dame. And then, of course, he's the first one to pop. And then the two kids, Owen Strebe and, and Matty Augustine, are honestly, there was never a time where you and I were like, gee, I wonder if this kid's going to go to Notre Dame or not. It was kind of a, an assume, but they obviously waited to commit. But it is one of those deals where, yes, you, they kind of helped recruit each other. And I, and yes. I think Chad, Joe Rudolph and, and, and Chad Bowden and the recruiting staff really did a great job of facilitating those relationships. Because as you know, those relationships matter as much for offensive linemen, if not more than any other position. And and yep. and I think it, it's – this to me, this is a good evaluation too, Ryan, for Notre Dame because, again, this is one of those guys that's not going to knock your socks off with, with with film that looks like, you know, what what Blake Fisher had in high school or, or Charles Jagasaw or some of the top – you know, Gerby Lambert, some of the top guys Notre Dame has landed. But this is the one where they trusted their evaluation and they went out and got it and – and they're bringing in some guys, I'll tell you what, man, with some some big, big size. And I want to kind of transition into the class impact aspect of it, Ryan. It's not a great year on the offensive line nationally. It's really two years in a row that I haven't loved just the overall depth of the national class. And Notre Dame, once again, in my opinion, did a pretty good job of identifying their needs, identifying players they liked, and then going after them. And for the most part, striking big. We're going to find out over the next three, four years how good Joe Rudolph is at evaluating as these kids start to develop, but they have done a very good job of this is who we want and let's go get the guys that we want. Coming into this class, Ryan, early on, there was thought that maybe they could go to four offensive linemen. 
But as as the current roster kind of settled, as they closed out last year's class, and then also as as needs at other positions started to kind of rise, they settled in on three. So this commitment gives them number three. So clearly Notre Dame has met their needs. But let's talk about the other aspects of how Matty Augustine really impacts this class and why landing him was important for Notre Dame. Yeah, well, I think that you have seen a a big trend in 2025 class. And I actually was just writing an article about this before we got on. Like, I think that after the 2024 class, Brian, you're left kind of curious on what Joe Rudolph is searching for at the University of Notre Dame, right? Like, what's his type? What is he looking for? What traits are going to be similar? What things is he going to value heavily? And because 2024 was not a great year to find that out. I mean, literally the only person that was that he added to the board was Anthony Knapp. Like that was a guy that he really liked when he was right. at Virginia Tech. Otherwise, they were already in a good spot with Gerby Lambert. They already had a commitment from Peter Jones. They already ha- were in a good spot with Styles Prescott when Coach Heastan had left. Like literally, your board was already pretty much set. It was just he decided let's add Anthony Knapp instead of going after like Caleb Brewer, for instance. Like that's kind of the change in the board. But so that's only a one person sample size. So like. You know, it's a six, four and a half, 270 pound, really quick offensive lineman. Is is that what he's going the standard? Is that what he wants to look for? Guys that are developmental upside type of dudes. I mean, who knows? But 2025, I think, has added a lot of process of like understanding what are you truly looking for in this class? And I think similarly to Coach E stand, out of the three offensive linemen now that have committed to Notre Dame, Will Black, Maddie Augustine, and Owen Strebig, all three of them are listed at at least six foot seven. All three of them are listed at at least 290 pounds, right? So they are big framed offensive tackle types. So clearly, Coach Rudolph is valuing that that similar to what Harry Heastan did. He likes to tackle bodies and trying to figure out, are they going to develop inside? You know, because the the big thing is, is that when you have those big bodies, those big frames, the the developmental upside is on the table, right? Like adding weight to frames, getting more explosiveness into frames. Like you can do a lot more when you're talking about bigger, longer athletes. And that's what he clearly has found. I mean, again, six foot seven plus each, 290 plus pounds each listed, you know, by, you know, there are certain circuits or whatever. And I would also say this is that the thing I do really like about it is you mentioned how good of a evaluator is Coach Rudolph to be determined. We'll see what he is. But ultimately, three of those four kids I just named, including Anthony Knapp in the 2024 class, was people that had camped at the school that coach Rudolph was at and he saw them in person and was like, yes, that's a guy. The only one that wasn't was Owen Strebig. Like Owen Strebig had been offered before he ever came to Notre Dame. The other three though were offered after seeing them camp at the prospective school and seeing what they bring to the table. So in all three guys, you have size, you have offensive tackle types. And I think you have three guys also that bring a pretty nice level of physicality. Right. And and I think that that also, when you're trying to make it fit, I think Will Black could play inside. I think Matty Augustine could play inside. I think that you have a little versatility what, what you're what you're aiming for because clearly Coach Rudolph is looking for size, athleticism, and offensive tackle types that could potentially move all over the place a little bit. Ryan, I, I know Owen Strebe was offered well before the lineman camp, but didn't he or didn't he still go to it though? If I remember correctly, didn't he still compete I, in I the th- lineman camp? I think he may have camped one time, but I remember he was offered like a week or two yeah. after the pot of gold. So he was offered very right. early on. 
Right. Yep. But my, my question was, I, I st- even though the offers were a product, as you mentioned, of Will Black and Matty Augustine, I still believe that he still got to see Owen Strebe in person. And Man. again, if, if, if he didn't like what he saw, he could have easily moved on past. right to somebody right. else. Right. So I think yep. that, that evaluation is, it was, was important to your point. And, and yes, you're recruiting a lot of tackles, but look, you've got to play guards and center in college football. And, and I think at least two of these guys, in my opinion, Ryan have a chance to, to, to play guard if the need is there. Yep. Matty Augustine is, I know from talking to you earlier, you and I agree, Matty Augustine is one of those guys that you also yep. believe has some positional flexibility to his game as well, right? Correct? Yeah, yeah. Him and Will Black are probably the two most likely, if you have to ask me which one of the guys could potentially move into guard. Those are the two most likely because I think when I watch Owen, I'm just like, he's got 34 and a half inch arms, man. Like, he is long as heck. I just don't really like moving guys that long inside. I mean, but we're talking about Matt, Matty Augustine and Will Black. I mean, Matty reports a 33 and three quarter inch arm, which is very good length still. I mean, it's still good length. It's good enough to play offensive tackle, but it's not vines that like an Owen Strebick has where it's like at some point you have to talk about winning the leverage battle consistently and sometimes longer arms inside can hurt your ability to establish leverage at times because they're talking about a lot of moving parts and a, and a lot of length that kind of has to get enacted in those in those instances right so I think he brings that upside I think Will also has good length but I don't think that he's nearly as long as what like Owen is for instance so I think that those two are guys that you know if they're both 290 plus right now they're both going to be well over 300 pounds comfortably. I mean, they're going to be like 315, 320 probably, and still playing pretty comfortably if they do want to move inside the guard. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So when you look at the class impact, Ryan met their needs numbers-wise, landed the tackle types, the body types that we think that they're looking for. And of course, landed some players with enough versatility to shift inside the guard. No, no, I don't see any. I mean, I think they're all, they're not centers, in my opinion. These guys are centers. This is more of a guard situation. I, I also wonder, Ryan, what you think. I have my opinions on this, and I want to get yours is what you think of what does this offensive line class, now that it's most likely complete, complete, we'll talk about that in a little bit. What does it say yeah. about the type of demeanor, the type of style of play? in your opinion, mm-hmm. that Joe Rudolph is looking for? Because as you mentioned, there's really four kids that we know for a fact Joe Rudolph would have pursued on his own. Now, I think they, he still would have gone after Peter Jones. I think he still would have gone after Styles Prescott. I think he still would have gone after Gerby Lambert. But sure. we don't know that because they were, like, as you mentioned, you broke it down. Those guys were already on the board. It was about finish yep. the job. Anthony Knapp, Will Black, Owen Strebig, Maddie Augustine. Are there any patterns yep. that you see? Are there any uh, evaluations that you see from those four players that say, we know this about the type of player, not so much length and body type and things like that, but how they play the game. These are the things that, that yep. we can now look at and say, we're noticing some patterns here on Joe Rudolph for all the, I mean, Anthony Knapp looks way different. 
You stand him in a line and take a picture of him as a group photo of the four O-line recruits that are all Joe Rudolph. Anthony Knapp's going to look a whole lot different than the other three kids, right. correct? I mean, yeah. but there are still some similarities. Let's talk a little bit about that too, yeah. Ryan, about what Matty Augustine and the rest of this class uh, say about what Joe Rudolph is looking for from a t- style of play standpoint with his linemen. I mean, all, all those offensive linemen come from run-heavy run teams, right? So I think there is a level of physicality that each bring to the table. They, although each of them are, like, I, I would say Owen is very high-waisted. I would say that Maddie's deep, pretty high-waisted. I actually don't think Will's super high-waisted. Like, I don't, I think he's got a little bit of a longer torso. But, I mean, overall, though, they are players that have been used to getting vertical and creating a lot of movement at the point of attack. And in a lot of different scenarios as well, like each player I've seen them on film run inside some inside zone. I've seen them just be pure base blocker and be able to, you know, just move the line of scrimmage in their favor. I've seen them on the move. They come from very run heavy systems where physicality is a part of the game. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that out of the three, in my opinion of Maddie Augustine, Will Black and Owen Strebeck, I, I think Maddie has the most easy transition as a run blocker on the next level. Cause although I think that he plays a little bit too high and he needs to get a center of gravity down and play with better pad level. That dude's got some incredibly strong hips, man, which we'll talk about, right? Like he is able to really displace gaps because he is physically just put together and strong. Like he's got some really good core strength, but each one of those guys, I mean, Owen, if you pop on his film, a Catholic Memorial in Waukesha, Wisconsin, like he is moving the point of attack. Will Black is moving the point of attack out there in the state of Connecticut as well. So all three of those guys, I think, bring a nice level of physicality. They're physical dudes. And also, funny enough, is that out of the four guys we've talked about, including Anthony Knapp in the 2024 class, he is by far the most technical pass blocker right now, which is pretty hilarious because he is the guy that you look at and say – Nap is, yeah. Nap is mm-hmm. easily, in my opinion, the most technically refined, you know, and, and he's a year older, so we'll see what it looks like as a senior. But overall, I mean, if you watch the film on on Owen like doing a pass set right now, it's it's just a 45 and get my my hands on you because I'm longer than you and I'm I'm a little more athletic than you, right? I mean, it's kind of Will Black has some good technique to his pass blocks. And I think Maddie does as well, but they're still raw in that department, obviously. But I think that the traits could allow them to stay on the outside. But I think overall the physicality and the just the the toughness and the tenacity they play with as blockers, I think that they really get after it in the run game, especially. I think that's probably the most encouraging thing we've seen, Ryan, because one of the questions that I had about Joe Rudolph's first offensive line was it wasn't always it wasn't a physical, physically dominant enough group. Right. I mean, that was kind of a question is they, they, there just were times you're like, you're just kind of getting whooped to your what that's what. And I'll say this about Matty Augustine and we'll dive into this a little bit more when we get to the film room. That was the most surprising thing that I saw from his game. Like, look, we all make kind of assumptions when you hear about a kid. OK, well, here's the first thing that pops in my head before you watch the film. And then you've got to allow the film to tell you the, the actual story and change those first impressions. But I heard six, seven skinny former basketball player. My first thought yeah. was it's going to be super athletic. And really good in pass pro, and he's gonna. We're gonna have to find out whether this kid likes the physical physical nature of the game of football. That was my first mm-hmm. thought. Took me about two clips in to be like, no, nah, not not worry about that anymore. You know, even in a sophomore yeah. film, he was much skinnier. This kid was always willing to get after it and mix it up. And then as he put on yep. weight as a junior, you saw that even more. And and of course, Will Black. That's what Will Black's game is all about as well. So that was an encouraging thing that he's not just looking for long guys can move well 
which I, I think clearly they are, but that demeanor is important because because yep. you, you need that at Notre Dame. I mean, I don't care what you sure. think you're going to run. You need guys that can be physical at the point of attack and move people, and all these kids have the potential yep. to be that. I mean, we also talked about Notre Dame needing to get bigger, Ryan, on the offensive line and continue to get bigger, not just lengthwise, but size. I yep. would contend that all three of these kids have a chance to be 315 plus when it's all said and done, in my view. And and so you're you're at yep. Gerby can be that. Peter Jones can be 310 plus. Uh Styles, I think, can be well over three, you know, 300 to 310 at least plus. The only guy that I don't know that he can put on that weight and be good is the Anthony Knapp, which is really the only question that either of us really have about Anthony Knapp. And you're more you're more sold on his frame than I am, but like we both say, that's the question that's going to determine how good Anthony Knapp is going to be. But he's an inside guy. That that's the difference, right? But they're going to be a much bigger offensive line moving forward with the the last two because you think Jagasaw's class with Selvin Absher three twenty five, Jagasaw's three thirty, Christopher Tarek's three twenty five, Sam Pendleton's three ten plus already, plus these next two classes, you're going to see a much bigger Notre Dame offensive line moving forward across the board than we really have the last couple of seasons. Coach Eastan got that started. I'm encouraged yeah. that Coach Rudolph is building on that with his right. with this first class. Yeah. Well, he's, he's definitely valuing length. And anytime that you have length and you have taller bodies, there's more potential typically to be able to put good weight on, you know, if, if the frame is suitable to do so. And even Anthony Knapp, I mean, Anthony Knapp, despite only being about six, four and a half, like he does have a, a decent length for his size, right? And for his height profile. So I think all these players do bring plus length when we're talking about proportional to their size, right? Like, the, you know, six, seven guys have long arms, Owen Strebick six eight and has incredibly long arms. I think even Anthony Knack, despite only being six foot four and a half, like he has good length for being only six foot four and a half. You know what I mean? So the proportional length I think is good for all four of those players. And then you add in obviously Styles is long, Gerby is super long. You know, Peter Jones isn't the longest dude in the world, but he is a most likely pure interior guy, which is okay. You know, and he's already about as physically advanced as any. Actually, no, outside of Gerby, maybe he might be the most physically advanced because. He's already up to 295 pounds, but like if you've seen Peter, Peter is a very strong 295 pounds. Like he, I I remember Cam Williams was joking about when they were on a visit, like Peter Jones had gotten mad, had gotten angry at someone, you know, not like super angry, but like he wanted to go work out in the weight room and they were like, we can't allow you to go work out in the weight room. And he was upset that he couldn't go get a workout in while he was on a visit to Notre Dame. Like he's one of those guys. So I don't worry about, you know, size being an issue with a guy like Peter Jones either, obviously. Ryan, you ready to dive into some film? Let's talk a little bit about Maddie Augustine's game. Okay, let's do it. So we're going to, we're going to break down Maddie's film here a little bit and let you let everybody know what you see. So Ryan, so go ahead and kind of get us started. But obviously the first thing that you guys are going to notice, this is a kid that's uh, has a lot of room left on that frame. Is it, is this sophomore film or junior film? This is junior film. Actually, let me just check on this. Yeah. Let me, let me just look on this real quick. I'm pretty sure that it is, but let me just check on it. I'm pretty sure this was the, the, the advertisement said junior film. Yeah. Maddie. Oh, you know what it is, Ryan? It's the junior film before he reclassified. So oh, okay. It's, it's, because I was, I was about junior, to say, I just broke yeah. down his. I, was, yeah, I just broke down his film. I'm like film. he's playing left tackle yeah. on film. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it says junior film, but it's the prior to reclassify. But th- yeah. I want you all to think about the two clips you just saw in his frame, and then what you're going to see next. Okay, so let's get this yeah. going, all right. 
I was like, he looks a little skinny there. He looks a little skinny. Yes. He hasn't his growth spurt yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, yeah. it says junior film on there. All right. I was, now I, was like, I just, I just spoke out some junior film where he's playing left tackle. Yeah. I'm like, was he playing yeah. right tackle? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Here we yeah. go. But as you so, can see, Ryan, I mean, he's listed out 290, yeah. but you can still see here, there's a lot of room left to be added to this frame. Yeah. Well, the thing I love most about him, and you can see him on a couple of drive box, drive blocks, excuse me, to start the film, is that he has a really strong core and hips. I mean, when he is able to fit inside of guys, he creates movement, man, which if we're talking about a guy that it still has room to grow as far as adding weight to his frame. That is really impressive stuff because if he's as powerful as he is at whatever he is now, imagine when he gets another 15 to 20 pounds of good weight on his frame. I mean, you can really see just how strong he is in that because there's a couple clips here, Brian, that we'll talk about in pass protection, especially where a guy literally gets into his chest, but he's able to drop his butt and anchor mm -hmm. at the point of attack. And he doesn't budge, man. Like you can see yeah. that physicality and that core strength. Real he quick, has, Ryan, really impressive. This is against yep. Benedict Ume. This clip right yep. here is against Benedict Who's Ume, a... who was a four-star kid that committed to Stanford or signed with Stanford. Yep, and he makes him makes him look like he's just an average player against him, a guy mm -hmm. that's not able to move at the point of attack. I mean, he, he his strength was one of the biggest things that I love to see because I thought he played hard as a sophomore and physically as a sophomore, but I didn't think that he was nearly as powerful, obviously, as what he was as in 2023. So this one right here is the one I was talking about where he, he just kind of digs his heels in the ground and gets his butt down and gets and locks that out right there. Like you can see that there is some legit anchor and core strength right there where he's going to be able to handle some power base rusher because he is very strong in, the, in his hips and his core. That was a big surprise for me, Ryan, when I first watched his second junior film. Because, again, you, you don't think about that when you're talking about a converted basketball player. You know, yep. I mean, that, that's just not something that you think about. But, yes, he's a, a phys naturally, really naturally powerful kid. And yes. the other thing, too, is, Ryan, I, I was happy that when he put on the weight this offseason that he still maintained good athleticism. And I think yep. he's going to get even more agile in year two with that extra weight, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's, he's really got a good, I kind of like, it's called it like foundational things that he brings mm -hmm. to the table. Right. I mean, you're always looking for length. You're always looking for that body type, having that power, natural power profile as you add good weight to that frame. I mean, he's going to be a really strong run blocker, I think in his, in his career. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I would say this, Brian, like my biggest criticism of him is that I think that he plays with really bad pad level consistently. Like he yes. just kind of pops up, but yeah. there's some guys that I watch and I say his pad level stinks because he has no bends and he has no flexibility in his lower half. I don't right. think that about Maddie. Right. I think Maddie just right. literally needs to get coached up on how Technical. to maintain better pad level consistently. Cause I do see some reps where he redirects in space. I mentioned the rep already where he's able to drop his anchor. Like, it's hard for guys to drop anchor when they are just tight and they don't have any flexibility in their mm -hmm. lower half. I do think he has that. So as he continues to just kind of work on his technique from a lower body perspective, plays with better pad level, I think he has upside, man, where he can stay on the outside. And I think that he's going to be a much better just functional change of direction athlete as he gets more, you know, just kind of comfortable in his stance. Because right now I just think that he pops up a little too much and that kind of hurts his redirection at times. Yeah. Yeah, and this is another clip against against um, Benedict Dume, but you can kind of see it, Ryan. Like this is not a kid that really fundamentally is is where he needs to be yet. To, to your point, it's just a lot. He's getting coaching, but he it, a lot of this is still new to him. I mean, he's only been playing football for three years, 
So that's certainly something yeah. that can be fixed. Because that's you and I talk about that all the time. When a kid doesn't play with great pad level, you got to ask yourself, can he not do it or does he not know how to do it? And that's something yep. you have to value. And it, it can be a little harder when you're talking about high school kids when, than when you get to college, when you're talking about the NFL draft. Because usually by the NFL draft, kids know enough to know how to play with, you know, to, to bend their knees. You know, they've been taught to a degree to bend their knees. But you see plays yep. like this to me where you kind of see that lower body, that, you know, flexibility, that bend, that drive. Like he has a na- – this is something I like about him, Ryan. He does – he is not – coaching high school football, I know you did, recruiting – uh, you know, yep. high school football players in my level. One of the things that you you would see a lot of. One of the worst traits you see from linemen is guys that that their natural instinct is to hit and stop, and then they've got to reset their feet. He has a really good feel for driving through contact, driving his feet through contact, which I was very happy to see from him. It yep. wasn't always there as a sophomore uh, or his first junior year, whatever that you want to call it. But his most recent film, you see that he just does that kind of naturally. He draw, he works his feet through contact, which is something that I was really happy to see from him this year. Yep. And I think he gets out of his stance well, too, man. Like, I think there's a little bit of explosiveness there as well, which I think will continue to be there or potentially improve as he puts good weight on his frame. Because, I mean, I do think that this kid is one that can become more explosive just based upon just continuing to mature. But he, the other good thing I like about him, too, is that he is very – he's a good second level blocker in the sense of it's hard sometimes for guys to take a proper angle strike and fit in space. They, some guys can really struggle with that as offensive linemen. He consistently does it pretty well, man. Like his target, mm-hmm. his aiming points, I think are pretty good. Again, it's, it really comes down to like, if we can just get him to play lower and he continues to develop his body, I think he could be a good starter at Notre Dame. I really do, man. I think he has all the traits there it's just about good coaching and then obviously the physical development of being in the weight room and the strength and conditioning program. So as we kind of finish up watching his film, Ryan, I, when when we first learned about Matty Augustine and I graded him, I had him as a three-and-a-half-star kid, low three-and-a-half-star kid, like borderline three-star player, which Notre Dame doesn't re- recruit a ton of of true three-stars on, on my board. He made a yep. very big jump in grade and play as a as a on as a junior just on size alone his grade went up but there just yeah. a, were a lot of things where you saw a very raw kid that you're just like well I hope the staff knows what they're doing uh, as a sophomore right. and then when you watch his junior film you're like okay this kid's got a lot of talent this kid's got a lot of tools yeah. but like clips I, like this though you can see he doesn't quite have the length that some of the other guys uh, on the board do it's but it's still good it's still good yeah yeah, I mean, it's still plus because, I mean, again, mm-hmm. like we'll see how verified the number is, but he is apparently measured in a camp at 33 and, a qu- and three quarters, which is a pretty good number. You know, it's it's not right. Owen Strubig, but it's it's good. It's right. a good number, which I think has the opportunity to play on the outside. But ultimately, I, I would echo the same thing as I think anybody that remembers when he was offered, I was just kind of like, you know, he's only a sophomore, so I'm not going to have a mm-hmm. harsh judgment, obviously, but. I didn't love it. I didn't love his sophomore film. His junior film, I was very pleasantly surprised with. I saw a huge jump. I saw maturation. I saw comfort. I saw him much more controlled as well. Like sophomore year, I thought he was just kind of out of control, flailing a little bit. Arms were kind of going everywhere. Like this one, he was much more. You looked like he didn't really know how to play football yet. Skin, (laughs) right? Exactly. I mean, that's what exactly. It was his second year playing football. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Kids that really didn't know how to play football. You saw the light go on a little bit here. In his last yeah. season, there's and, no doubt. Or and his, although he uh, plays in a, and although he plays in a good Connecticut league, obviously he plays against a lot of good Catholic schools up in Connecticut. He is still, you can tell, 
he doesn't really have to play with the best technique at times because he's just bigger and stronger than everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're being honest with ourselves like he is. So I think when he gets good coaching and he gets to be able to be around players every day that are as good as him, I think that's where you're going to see a big jump because then at that point it's going to be a little bit of sink or swim. You know, you're going to have to kind of you have to have to really buy into the teaching, which again, I, I you know, I, I would assume that he's going to be. I mean, because I don't know if anybody heard his commitment earlier, but he is a very well spoken and very yeah. just good kid. Like you can hear it. You know, like he is yeah. a very he understands that type of stuff, which I think is very going to be very important. But when he has to really go against guys that are as good as him every single day, I think he could also take a massive jump. Yeah, it, it'll go one or the other, Brian. And and there's nothing about this young man that I mean, you, you know, this when your kids transition to college and they're starting to play guys that are kind of as good or better than they are, they're going to go. They're going to go one of two directions. I mean, that's just that's just how it goes. And anything you know about this kid, you've gotten to know him personally through the recruiting process. For me, it's been more of talking to people about him. That doesn't I don't think that's going to be a question uh, for this kid as far as kind of what he's going to be. He's going to, yeah. I think you're correct. He's going to drop, he's going to respond well uh, to that daily push, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. He's, so he's let's already just, getting it, man. He's already yeah. getting it. I mean, his head coach, Wayne McGillicuddy, is a, he's a very big, like, I think he's, I think he played offensive line in college as well. So you can tell he's got kind of that demeanor to him, like, hey, like, we got to grind today type of thing. So I think we'll be all right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what's next, Ryan, because I think this is something that's still a little bit up in the air but let's just discuss where things stand right now. Obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about another offensive lineman joining this class for a while, but Maddie Augustine has taken that third spot. Just let's briefly wrap this up with just a, a look at where Notre Dame goes from here when it comes to offensive line recruiting. Yeah. I mean, it's so that the, the question has always been, does Notre Dame go to four and the fourth guy that's been on everyone's mind and, and I get it. He's very talented is, Eureka, Missouri offensive tackle, Jack Lang, who is six foot eight, 275 pounds. He, out of the four guys, the three committed in class and him included as a target, the most natural left tackle prospects of the four, you know, a guy that really has those movement skills and that length that he brings to the table. That is super interesting. And I remember when he came to the junior day a few weekends ago, coming out of it, there was a lot of optimism for, you know, Jack Lang's place in the, in the class, but as you've mentioned before, Brian, and, you know, just to reiterate it, as of now, we anticipate the number being three. And and mm -hmm. with Matty Augustine committing in the class, that is your third offensive lineman because they are trying to save scholarships for a couple different positions. They want a third corner in the class, which we've talked about a ton. They want a third safety potentially in the class. They want a fourth receiver in the class in 2025. So at some point, you have to make limits and you have to allocate offers to certain spots. And that's going to take offers away at some point. So could the number change to four at some point in the future? It's always possible. We know in the world of transfer portal and, you know, just the chaos of college football, you know, whether it's an injury or it's a transfer or anything in between numbers can change very quickly. They really can. So can Notre Dame push it to four at some point? Possible. We'll see what happens. But as of today, we anticipate it being number three. It doesn't mean that they're not in a good spot with Jack Lang. Jack Lang right. still anticipates to, uh, he put him in their top, his top six. He's still planning to take a visit this off season to Notre Dame again. 
We'll see if that ends up happening or not. But regardless, three is the number for now. And yeah. we'll see if that does change at some points. Because it would be it would be stupid to stop recruiting him right now if you if you think you might take him down the road. If you think there's a chance you're going to take him, you stay on him until you make that final decision. But if they just get to the point where they're like, okay, we're done, then you tell them, hey, we're going to move on. So I because Jack Lane's not Jack Lang is not in decision making mode right now, as you've said many times, Ryan, many, many times. And yep. so we'll see what Notre Dame does from here. But that is commitment number 17 for Notre Dame. Maddie Augustine is commitment number 17. It was funny. It was like two weeks ago. We're sitting here like, well, you know, Notre Dame's defense is way ahead of the offense in numbers. And then all of a sudden, Owen Strebig commits. Elijah Burris commits. Sean Terry commits. Now Maddie Augustine commits. And all of a sudden, Notre Dame's got nine commitments on offense, eight on defense. They're at 17. I, I think that's going to be it for now for at least the next couple weeks at least. You know, I, I think yeah. you're, 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 you're going to see some more action again in March and April. And then, of course, even more action when Notre Dame gets into the summer because there's a couple kids on the board that they're willing to go into the fall with on both sides of the ball. But for the most part, they've got a shot to get this class close to being done by the uh, – by the end of the summer. So like they did this past year, although I do expect this class Ryan to have a few more, a few more kids that they stay on during the season than what we saw this past year. Cause I mean, Notre Dame was pretty much done with 24 kids. Once the season started outside of like Gerby early on Kingston and a couple guys like that, guys that they'd been on for a while, but for the most part, they, they had this class wrapped up very early. And I think they're going to try to do the same yeah. with 2025. Well, I mean, we talk about offensive recruiting, and I mean, literally, the only numbers left technically are two wide receivers. That's all you got. I mean, you got your two running backs, you have your quarterback, you have your tight end, you have your three offensive linemen. It's literally going to come down to who are the two last receivers in the class for Notre Dame, right. and we'll see if any numbers change at that point. But uh, offensive recruiting in 2025 is pretty much yeah. have a bow on it at this point. Numbers-wise, I agree. There could be some situations where at certain positions, there are guys that are just too good to say no to, but you are correct. From a number standpoint, there's two receiver spots left, and for now, that's really it. And so we'll see how they fill this class out. We're going to move on to some coaching stuff next. Ryan's going to stick with us through that because we're going to talk about that a little bit. But before we do, folks, do me a solid. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Unless you're already subscribed, because then you don't want to subscribe yourself. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast platform like Spotify, which is a, a, a the podcast platform that we love to be partnered with at Irish Breakdown. And if you have not done so, and some of you have not, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Ryan and I are working on putting together a little offensive and defensive intel piece of where things stand with recruiting-wise. We hope to get those out over the next couple of days. But that is a message board members-only type of deal. You're going to check that out. We spent, what, probably about 30 minutes on the phone today, Ryan, going back and forth on different mm -hmm. things, where things stand. So it's very interesting. It's February, and it's like Ryan just kind of said at one point in the conversation, like, dude, there's not a whole lot of spots left as far as, like, guys that we don't know about right now. So it's going to be very interesting. We'll have some of that stuff going on. And, and you're probably over the next three, four months going to start to see us put out a lot more 2020 – us. Ryan put out a lot more 2026 recruiting stuff because, it, like, offensive line – for the last couple of months, we've we've seen offers starting to go out with some of the 2026 kids. So we'll get a sense of of where that stand is what stands as well. So we'll get on to that topic and plenty others on the message board. Next, we're going to talk about co the coaching changes and the coaching staff being finalized in Notre Dame.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.